this happened to me like a week ago. I was in, I was shopping and a girl came up to me and was like, I just want you to know like how much you realized that you helped me with my eating disorder. And I was like, I literally like almost started crying. I was like, mm. hold on. I was like, and every time somebody does that to me, I'm like, wow. Like if my story and like putting that out there on social media helps other girls and other boys and all of that. And it's like, it's insane to see that happen. Welcome back to Redefine You, a conversation for well-being. I'm your host, Haley Hasloff. I'm an actor, model, fashion well-being editor, and most importantly, a body positive and mental health advocate. Redefine You is meant to inspire you to look within and guide you to live a life being grounded in the power of you. Now, today I'm speaking to Olivia Ponton, influencer, model, brand ambassador, and proud member of the LGBTQ plus community. We're having an open and honest conversation about body dysmorphia, eating disorders, trolling, being a role model, coming out, and keeping up with the demands of a modeling career. Now, Olivia has a positive, strong message of love and support to young people affected by social pressures and those who are engaged in the sometimes difficult process of self-discovery. Welcome, Olivia. Hi, honey. I'm Hi, so thank ex- you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on and just to have this conversation. So me too, me too. here's the thing. We start these episodes off by asking my guests, if you were to check in with yourself emotionally right here, right now, what would Olivia find? Started checking myself emotionally. I would say I am like on this road to like healing and like being happy. And I feel like self-love is like definitely not something that you like hit in like one day and it's like a mountain where you're like climbing and climbing and climbing so I'm very much on that like climbing climbing journey right now and I feel like I'm pretty happy right now so that would be what she would find in that I love that and I think that's a beautiful place to even start you know we forget so often that we evolve as beings and so does our mental health journey. And it's not a light switch. It's not like, okay, let's just switch me on. And then all of a sudden I'm okay because we get hit with little triggers here and there. Like, oh, wait, I was so good today. And then all of a sudden, boom, I'm done. I have to start over. I was was so fine before this. And then I stubbed my toe. And I don't know why (laughs) that like, I was like, oh my gosh, don't start with me today, Olivia. Oh my God. I love you. I love, I love how it's like the stubbing of the toe though. I feel like that's like such like, it's such like a thing that I, like my boyfriend would do. Stub it to him. Oh, I'm so angry about it. And I'm over here. I stub my toe and I'm like, Oh my God, I was my toe. Okay? No, I was definitely like, stop, like stop. Like I know this is the universe trying to pull me back, but I'm like, no, I'm fine. I love it. I love it. Well, it's a state of acceptance. I want to start kind yes. of with a, like, let's start simple, right? You're from Naples, Florida. What was that like for you growing up as a teenager there? And how did that inflict on you kind of wanting to get into the industry at such a young age? I would say like in my hometown, like social media and modeling, like was not really a thing. So when people would tell me, they were like, oh my gosh, like you should do modeling. You should get into modeling. I was just always kind of like, like, I don't really like know what that is very much. Like I wasn't super educated on it. And I feel like living at the beach, like basically like 10 minutes away from it, I would go to the beach all the time. So I would constantly be in bikinis and working out with like the sports that I was doing. And I think that all together just like really helped start motivating me with like my body sense. And then with modeling kind of like 
I've just always always had a huge love for taking photos. So me and my friends would like go to the beach and like take photos for like three hours, like pack a car full of clothes and like go there at like seven in the morning for sunrise and like take pictures, take pictures. So I think that was definitely a moment of realization that I was like, I kind of like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that there was something that just sort of fell into your lap. You know, it was something that you kind of were like, you know what, actually, I really enjoy modeling for the love of it rather than like the aspect of what it can bring me necessarily. Yeah. Do you 100%. have any siblings? I have one older sister. Yes. Okay. And is she in the industry as well or no? She's not. She's actually a bodybuilder. Like she's insanely strong and muscular. Yeah. It's like really inspiring. Wow. And I mean, so then fitness was obviously something that was installed sort of in your family and in your relationship growing up. 100%. Like my whole family is like very like fitness, well-being, like growing up all of that and super healthy on top of that with like meals and everything. So I feel like my mom and like my family were always just like making sure that I was keeping up with things, being healthy. So that was like really helpful with growing up. Yeah. I mean, it was the same with me. My family was always, you know, they were always a very fitness based family. And I know that that's cliche because I grew up in LA, but we actually, it was more of just, we feel good. You know, it's fueling yourself to feel good. And the aspects of being able to have yummy food to do that with. I want to talk to you a little bit about kind of mental health awareness. You're such an advocate today. And obviously with this podcast and what we speak about, but I want to know growing up, was this something that you spoke about in your family? I mean, or with your friend group, or is this something that's kind of been a new discussion? Wait, for which part? Like mental health type? Yeah. Um, I would say definitely yes I would like talk about it I've been in therapy for five years like it's been a very long time of me talking about my feelings because I'm normally very close off fish growing up but then I started getting into therapy and learned that like talking about your feelings and your emotion are not a bad thing at all so I would say definitely growing up it was like a very well spoken thing about did your family sort of guide you into going into therapy yes which is, which is cool. I mean, I think it's a great yeah. thing that they gave you sort of that platform. I mean, I did therapy when I was younger, you know, it was, it was definitely, it was a normal thing. And I think to a point where then as you grow a bit older, it's finding your own relationship with therapy and you know, what does that look like and who does that look like? Yeah. Like I think in the beginning, it was kind of like the thing that they like wanted me to go to because I didn't really trust anyone to talk about certain like feelings with. And then, you know, I was like 14, 15 years old, like, you know, the casual little teenager things. And then as I got older, I kind of took it upon like my choice when I moved away from my family. I was like, you know what? I want to continue doing this. Like we have like weekly sessions and I'm like, this is, this is something that I want to be doing rather than like my parents inflicting it upon me. Oh, I think that's very important. I mean, one of the things I'm curious though about is because of social media and the way that obviously mental health is sort of portrayed. And I wanted to ask your opinion, like, do you feel like mental health is discussed properly for the younger generation? Yes, I would say, especially in like my friend group of girls who do do social media. I also talk about it with them in person about like how important it is to be speaking about certain topics. I think definitely there's more room to talk about certain things but I think for the most part I mean I always say that I want to be the girl that I needed when I was 14 years old so I would say for me personally I needed me when I was 14 years old so I would say it's going pretty well 
Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morphin. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. What was the first time that you sort of, I guess, noticed, because you are you are a bit younger than me, I won't say my age. Um, who cares, though, Haley, you're only 29. Um, but I exactly. have to say, <laughs> um, what, you know, when I was younger, when I was growing up, and when I was a teenager, like, mental health wasn't spoken about, and social media was only sort of coming into the grounds of things. And so I kind of look back, and I'm like you know, would I have jumped into the pool of really understanding it and having it help me in my healing process? Or would I have been a bit more confused? So I'm asking you from the sense of like, when did you sort of start to see the mental health conversation come onto the social media scene? So with TikTok, I think that was like, starting my senior year. And I think in the beginning of TikTok, the app itself, it was pretty negative and pretty harsh. And there were a lot of trolls on it. And then I would say maybe around like eight months ago, it started, mental health started being a lot more spoken about because people started realizing that like creators on TikTok are like real people that like we have feelings that we have normal lives. Like just because we have numbers next to our name doesn't mean that we don't feel emotions that way that everybody else does. So I think once that was like more spoken about and more creators started speaking about it, it became a lot better of a conversation. And now I feel like we're to a point where it's like, if we, I mean, everyone still gets like, you know, nasty comments and whatnot, but I feel like there's more people commenting back to them being like, Hey, she's a real person. Hey, they have real feelings and kind of like more so understanding, which I think is insanely good that that's happening now. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, to go back to even to, you know, I, I've been in this industry for a long time and to see, you know, when somebody publicly struggled, even if they were somebody who came out, you know, they would be condemned for it. And now they're in a place where we're all publicly speaking about our struggles to help another person and to know that actually it's okay. And it's more relatable to talk about it so fearlessly. So, I mean, but it's crazy even to say to even to you your point, like it's only you've only seen it eight months ago. I mean, I only saw it two years ago. I've been a body activist for how many years, but only just spoke about mental health in the past year. So I think that, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing to see that obviously that has developed and that's changed over time. But I, I wonder, you know, what is what sort of your relationship with your mental well-being? I know that we've all experienced a lot of collective anxiety in this past year. What have your sort of yes. struggles or challenges been along the way? I would say definitely anxiety has like popped up into my life, but not in a bad way. I feel like I've talked about it with my therapist and all of that, and I've got it way under control. But I think like social media kind of like spiced that in there a little bit. But I would say I've honestly done a pretty well job of getting it under control. Do you think that in, like when anxiety does sort of arise, what are the tools that you use to be able to kind of help walk alongside that? I would say I definitely, I know it sounds a little weird, but like breathing techniques and like no, I count so to 10 in my head and I'll like, cause it normally happens more so in like public places. So I can't like sit down and like do yoga, like in the middle of the street. But I think I definitely like take that time to just like 
breathe in, be like, it's okay. Like, it's not the end of the world. Like I think of like little catchphrases that are like, I think of my mom and her just like hugging me and being okay. And I'm like, you know what? Like I am doing okay. Yeah. And I think that breathwork is amazing. I mean, we had Stuart Sandyman on the show to just do a full breathwork session because it's the one most accessible tool that you have anywhere, any place. So um, is there anything else that you feel like kind of arise during this past year that you feel necessarily has surprised you in your journey? I mean, did you did you struggle with anxiety before kind of getting into the industry or is this something that you feel like has sort of developed over the past couple of years? It was definitely something that like popped up right when I started doing social media. And I think it was just because I had like eyes on me and I was like not really used to that before and like constantly being scared that I was going to like mess up in that way. And I feel like everyone wants to like be like the best version of themselves that they can be. And I think I was like always stressing that like I wanted to be the best version of Olivia that I could be. And then I feel like I was almost stressing that too much upon myself. Mm -hmm. And then that caused a lot of anxiety because I was like, oh no, is this going to make somebody mad or is this going to like mess up this? So then I just kind of learned to like be myself and like be unapologetically myself. And if somebody doesn't like that, well, at least I'm not being fake towards myself. And that was kind of like a lesson that I learned to love myself on my self-love journey. Yeah. And I think that, you know, over time it comes with this sense of self-awareness and self-worth, right? It comes with this Mm -hmm. idea of I'm going to be connected to know that even if I fumble along the way, that's okay because I'm only human and there is no right or wrong answer in my journey. There may be to somebody else's perception of my journey, but in my actual journey, there can't be a right or wrong because I'm going to evolve over time. And I think that comes also Mm -hmm. with like this idea of feeling grounded in the career that you want to pursue. Um, you know, where are you with your idea of your own self-worth today? I have gotten way better at it. Let me add. Um, I think something that I've realized is that I've completely stopped comparing myself to other people, which took a very long time. But I finally just realized that I am me. I'm never going to look like somebody else. I'm never going to act like somebody else if that's not me. And I think that realization to myself meant more than any other lesson that I've learned. And once I hit that, I stopped stalking girls on Instagram being like, oh my God, I wish I looked like her. Oh my gosh, she looks like this. She's going here. And like almost wishing that I was somebody else when I'm just like, Olivia, like you are you and you're never going to be anybody else. So kind of like putting a stop on the whole comparing situation. I think comparing is, is, is a lot of what a lot of people feel when they're on social media. Do you feel like that sort of started after you made a career out of it? Or do you think that even when you were using it before you were professionally using social media, you still felt that sense of comparison? I would say I, it's like always been a little bit of a thing. Like even when I was like 14 years old and, you know, the other 14 year old boys are like, why don't you look like these 5'11 models who are like 25 and I'm like well because I'm 14 (laughs) years old that's probably why but I think that was always like a constant thing with like my body was also like not growing as fast as the other girls were and that led to like other comparison issues and I think that was something that I've just been like struggling with for like many years but now I'm at a point where it's a lot better and I don't thankfully do that anymore. So I'm really happy about that. 
And that's normal. I think it goes on both spectrums. Like, you know, for me, I grew a bust at like a really young age and I stopped, yes. like I stopped doing swimming. Cause I was like being teased by the older girls. Cause I was wearing a bra before them. Now look at me, you know, I'm, I'm like busty yeah. and loving it. Um, you know, but I think back then it was that thing of it can either go that you feel like you're just not developing like the person next to you. And you don't really understand why, because nobody teaches you that. But I think in social media today, what's happening is that there are creators like yourself who are teaching younger girls that it is okay and that it's normal to look different. And then inclusivity and diversity is a beautiful thing. Um, If you could sort of speak speak to that younger, let's say 14, 15 year old girl who may have been comparing herself for not developing at the right age, what would you say to her? I would say, because that was literally me, (laughs) um, I would tell my younger self that like it's okay to not look like these girls like you are not not every person is meant to look the same and if we did all look the same I'd be a little scared for our population (laughs) but just to learn how to like love the way that you look because I think that is like the most important thing and I always say like confidence is the most attractive thing that a person can have whether like looks like people can have looks, but I think like if you can carry yourself the way that you're like, you know what, like, I may not look like this girl right next to me, but I'm sure confident enough in myself that I think I am worth a million times more than any person could ever think of myself. So I think that's something that I would definitely tell my like 14 year old self. I love it. Just feel grounded in who you are. What mm-hmm. part of yourself yeah. do you feel like sort of suffers the most when your mental well-being may be in a challenging place? That's a really good question. I think I would say for myself is just like something that I would suffer with was would be like being like lonely, but then I would fix that with like calling a friend. Like I have a best friend who is insanely good for my mental health and I call her for like five, 10 minutes and be like, you know what? Today is not the best day in the world. And she will just like, blabber on about like what she's doing today and like memories that we have together from like when we were super happy or like traveling together so I feel like now I'm at this point where I have like a really good support system so I like I'm slowly straying away from those like super bad days but that would be like something that's like a little bit on the day-to-day love that. I mean, it's the same thing of like, you're never actually alone. Help is always just a phone call away. And, you know, even if you don't have that friend group to find that support system, there are a lot of great communities out there, especially even on social media that are waiting to welcome you and to give you that support system. Um, Or even like podcasts like this, like I watch the podcast and it like, I feel like I'm talking to the person. So it just helps my day-to-day basis even better. Exactly. It just makes you feel grounded and going like, you know what? It's okay. They're going through it. I'm going through it too. Exactly. And then you're like, wait, exactly. she's doing it this way. Maybe I'm going to try that way. Or maybe I'll do exactly. it this other way. Um, exactly. Like, exactly. You know, I speak obviously so much about body activism and body image. And the reason I bring up the conversation around, you know, what suffers first is because I think that's how it really led me to speak about my mental health was, oh, wow. You know, the times that I was inflicted by society standards of beauty at such a young age and and fighting against it was really because my mental well-being wasn't in the best of places. And so the first thing that would go would be other people's perception of my self-image or my body image. And I know that you talked so fearlessly today around eating disorders and body dysmorphia. Let's mm-hmm. let's dive into this a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about how this started to inflict on your sense of self and when you kind of what led you to that discovery. 
Yes. So like I was saying earlier, my family is super healthy. And so I never really like dealt with it like too badly when I was living in Florida. And then I moved to Los Angeles where didn't really have like a parent figure on like my day-to-day life. So I, you know, was postmating McDonald's for lunch and unhealthy food constantly for like dinners and breakfasts and all that. And so my diet was just like not really there. And then I kind of like lost my sense of working out because when I moved to Los Angeles, my days were like from like 8 a.m. to like 2 a.m. And it was like I moved into a content house. So I was surrounded by other people who like obviously weren't eating the best as well because I think we were all kind of like going through it at the same time. And so we would all go get like McDonald's for dinner. And like it was kind of like a house bonding thing. But like mm-hmm. thinking about it, probably should have gone and went gotten some salads or something like that. But I think that's like kind of like the start of it. And then I just like lost like the working out sense. Like I would work out every so often, but like not as much as I do currently. And and it's not like I work out like a an amazing ton right now. It's just like the constant like consistency of having it like every day, every other day. And then I slowly started to realize like that was not the lifestyle that I wanted to put my body through anymore. So it took me a few months, definitely like a hard few months where I was like trying to like not work out, but like change my diet and like restrict myself from a lot of things, which was just not healthy at all because I still wasn't eating very healthy. I was just kind of like, okay, like you can go eat this cheeseburger, but you can't have the Cheetos. And it was like, well... (laughs) That's not really making sense to me. And um, I think after a while, I just started realizing like what you put in your body is how your body is going to react. So it's like, if you're putting junk food in your body, you're not going to feel well, you're probably going to get sick. And your mental health probably isn't going to be at its highest. And then I started and would notice like certain days I would eat like acai bowls in the morning, and I would have like a healthy sandwich. And then I would have like salmon for dinner. And it's like, those days I felt like my mental health was just significantly better. And then time after time, I would keep getting on like that healthier eating plan and then adding in a little bit of working out every so often. And like, I would go on walks and runs and just like spend more time outside. And I feel like even with that little bit of changement in my eating and then working out kind of plan, just felt significantly better in my mental health as well. And then I got to this place where I was working out every single day and I was like not restricting myself at all, which is a lot better for my mental health. I know sometimes it like doesn't make sense, but like if I want a cheeseburger, I'm going to go eat a cheeseburger. But like with my own self, like I know that like this salmon in front of me is going to be a lot better for me and make me feel better than this like cheeseburger one. But then that, did that then lead to this like discovery of body dysmorphia or kind of looking back and going like, wait, there was a period of my life in that time where the shift happened, but my mentality towards what I thought of my body was still there. I would say, yes, I was like really struggling. I was like making myself eat healthy every single day, but like, you know, the classic thing in your brain is like oh but this isn't working oh this isn't working and I feel like once I just really trained my brain to like not think like that and that trust me there was like a few months period where it was just not clicking and then over like I would say like there was like a week period where it really all started connecting and like 
I was seeing a difference in myself and my mental health and my body. And my friends were seeing a difference. And my mom was like, oh, you look really good. Like my whole team was just like really complimenting me. And I was like, you know what? Something's going well right now. <laughs> and then when, when it comes to sort of the relationship with your eating disorder, what did that necessarily look like? It was definitely a very restrictiveness self where I like wasn't letting myself really eat a lot of certain foods. And I was just like, only eat this and only eat this. And then, but those like a few things like weren't even that healthy for me. And it was like, well, no, you do need to add protein in your day-to-day meals and you do need to add some type of carbs and like you can't be eating spinach for breakfast and strawberries for lunch and it's like yes those are very healthy but like you need to have a well diverse meal plan well, I think it's amazing that you've been able to obviously kind of look back and go you know what I went through this but I now have been able to find what my body really needs and how to fuel it in all the right and most positive ways I know that you mentioned sort of that modeling kind of inflicted on this specific size to fit in and so did social media. And that's sort of what led you into the body dysmorphia world. Um, I do, you know, as somebody who is on the other spectrum as a curve model and has kind of spoken a lot at parliament in the UK about protecting models from going to unhealthy lengths. I know that there is a different world out there that I hear from my friends when it comes to being in the straight size community. You know, from you, do you feel like the pressure was sort of inflicted on you through any of your agents or the people that sort of guided you in the beginning of your career? Um, I would say for me personally, I haven't dealt with like a bunch of, I know I've heard some of my friends who have like horror stories about their agents and stuff like that, but I would say a lot of the people that I've worked with have ne- have like had and had these conversations and being like, make sure you are being healthy. And like, we want you to be the happiest, healthiest version of yourself. And I feel like because I'm a little bit more honest about like what I'm going through my mental health, that they also understand that. But I've definitely like heard the classic, like, oh, you need to tone up and you need to stop eating like this and stop eating like that. And it's like, you know what? You've heard like the little remarks, but it's like, I'm also at this point where like my self-worth is a lot higher than it was before. So I'm just kind of like, you know what? You can think that way about my body, but I love it personally. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to make myself feel the happiest and healthiest. So your opinion can go out the window. <laughs> I also think the modeling industry has changed a lot, you know, like from when yes, I started oh, in the, in the industry as well, it was kind of this thing. And I think I'm, I feel so blessed as starting out as a curve model and continuing obviously because I'm still curved. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, to a place of knowing that I was always told that there was a place, you know, there was going to be a place for me, no matter where I evolution to, you know, if I gained some weight, if I lost some weight, whatever in between your life develops with you. And you see in the past where there's been iconic, you know, especially curve models who have lost weight, who've been condemned for just doing that because they're like, well, then they're not body positive, but it's the evolution mm-hmm. of self and it's allowing your supporters to sort of grow with you. So I yeah. think, and I think you that's know, something that's really healthy. Do you feel like you, you have a great sort of support system um, within your following that kind of grows along with you during this journey of where you've kind of been with your, with your body image and kind of how it's inflicted over you just growing into the young woman that you are? Thank you. Um, I would say 100%. Um, I'm, my audience is so supportive of my me. And I would say it took a little bit of time to 
post certain things and like I mean I can still post things and like I'll get little boys that are like trolling me because I don't look like this way or that way and it's like but I have gained this really large audience who is super supportive of me and it's like I will post my recipes and I'll even get comments that are like oh my gosh I'm so happy to like see you eating so healthy and like doing this for yourself every night and I would say they definitely grew with me and I now when I go outside and this happened to me like a week ago, I was in, I was shopping and a girl came up to me and was like, I just want you to know like how much you realize you, or how much you realize that you helped me with my eating disorder. And I was like, I literally like almost started crying. I was like, Mm. hold on. I was like, and every time somebody does that to me, I'm like, wow. Like if my story and like putting that out there on social media helps other girls and other boys and all of that. And it's like, it's insane to see that happen. Yeah, the impact is beautiful. And I think that especially in just the modeling industry and just this idea of what society standards of beauty are, to rewrite that by saying what's beautiful is being unique. What's beautiful is being you. And, you know, follow that path. Don't follow what anybody else tells you in that that sense. I I do want to touch you in a little bit because I know that you just went to your first New York Fashion Week, which is so much fun. Um, But, you know, I want to know... Do you feel like there was a sense of release sort of seeing inclusivity down the catwalk since obviously that was a part of your journey and your own kind of your self-image journey with being somebody that's also professionally in the industry? Or do you still think that there is this idealistic standard of beauty that does sort of um, make you go, oh, wait, is that what I'm supposed to necessarily look like to get to that place? I, from watching the shows for Fashion Week, beautiful shows, like absolutely insane surreal moments of my life to like see these girls walk and I would say for 99 I mean all of the shows that I saw they were super inclusive with mm. the models that they had all sizes all shapes and I was like sitting there I was like wow like it's actually ins- insane to see the modeling industry change this way and for me I was just like saying they're like wow keep going keep going <laughs> I know we've obviously touched on all these things that you've gone through and especially just with body image. And I thank you for being so open with it, but I want to know, do you feel like you've kind of gone a little bit deeper into your own like growth and knowing what triggers you and if triggers still arise? Um, honestly, I haven't gone like super deep into that. I do have like certain days where it's like harder than others, but then to like fix that, because I've talked about this with my therapist, I have like, certain things that I do when I get those triggers and I have like certain like little distraction methods where it's like okay I might get triggered but like I'm gonna go do this really quick for 10 minutes to get my brain off of it and then for me by the end of like those 10-15 minutes of doing whatever distraction it would be that day it is like calm me down and rerouted myself. What do you sort of do in those moments then? So say a trigger, a trigger sort of comes up. What does that mm-hmm. look like for you? Do you sort of identify maybe your relationship with food again and kind of go like, all right, hold on, let's check back into who I am and being connected back to Olivia? Yeah, I would definitely say there's like a lot of mental stuff that goes into it where I'm like thinking about it and I'm like, okay, I know you're feeling this way and I know you want to like think about all the negativity, but then I'm like a very positive person just in general. And I have like my little words of affirmation that I'll repeat to myself. And then the one that I normally do, it kind of sounds a little silly. I watch iCarly, which is like a show that I watched when I was like, I was young. I was like, I had to have been like 12, 13, 14. And 
I think I spend like 10 to 15 minutes watching like an episode and like I just now have like a really good relationship with iCarly like knowing it that like it's going to be my anxiety relief and like my reroute and like my distraction I kind of like let my brain just like completely go into the show and just don't think about anything and by like those minutes that go by I like slowly just start to forget that I was even having those like negative thoughts about eating and then I just kind of like reroute myself I'm like you know what you had those negative thoughts you distracted yourself now let's turn back on the positivity and go that way (laughs) So you're saying that iCarly is probably one of you, one of your toolboxes. Like it's like one of the things 100%. that you go to that sort of goes like this feels familiar to me. This feels fun. This feels positive. And I'm going to yeah. stay here for a moment. 100%. Well, you I mean, you've obviously talked so much about how a lot of your success story and what you're going through and the evolution of who you are comes from having a better relationship with food, which is something that now you speak about on your platform. Where is your body image at today? Like, where do you feel like you're still having moments of, especially coming from New York Fashion Week? I think sometimes that could be a trigger for many people just because of the industry itself. Do you feel like that's sort of inflicted at all on you? Or do you feel like you're actually, you know what, I have a good control on all of this right now. And I feel really, really connected. I would say definitely the last part, I'm like very well connected with my mental health and my body. And I would say my body image is probably at one of the best places it's ever been with just like working out, eating healthy, knowing what my body needs. When I, I used to look at it as if, if I was tired that I needed to go get coffee or I needed to go drink some Celsius or Red Bull or whatever it would be. And now I look at it and I'm like, you know what? Have you eaten today? Have you eaten a good meal today that is like nutritious for you? Nine times out of 10, it's probably like, well, I ate one, but like at like 9 a.m. and now it's like 2 p.m. Like I should probably eat something again. And then by the time I eat and I eat something nutritious and good for me, my energy kind of like slowly spikes back up. So it's kind of like a realizing what you need in your brain and then going and doing it and it gets better. Well, I think it's really cool as well, like to look and like to listen about where you came from as well, especially that your sister's obviously a bodybuilder. There's this idea of how to nutrition yourself and how to like fuel your body. And I love that you're connecting the two as well. It's like, it's like, instead of taking a drink, everybody just put some good food in your body. You know what I mean? Instead of actually thinking that this one thing is going to be the euphoric pill that's going to make your mind go, it's like, actually just take some good greens and you might just get there on a different, different playing field. Um, so let's, let's, let's dive in a little bit. So you obviously, I want to know, how did you get scouted? Did you get scouted? Is that how you kind of got into this hype house? Like what was the Uh, whole, I don't know any of this world. So no, you are totally fine. Um, for, so with modeling, I actually applied online. I applied to like WilhelminaModels.com and yeah. And literally my best friend at the time, she, was she just signed to next and she applied online and I was like oh my gosh congratulations and she's like why don't you try and I was like okay I was like I will try like I tried before but like nothing came of it and I was like oh they just don't like me I'm not what they want blah blah blah. and then I took digitals the next morning and then sent them off and then my old agent reached back out to me and was like then we just had that whole conversation and it ended up to me flying out to New York when I was 17 with my parents, signed with Wilhelmina, had this whole plan to move here and then bam, COVID hit and then started doing social media because I was sitting in my room for like multiple hours a day, not really doing anything and just kind of like broadcasting my life on there. And 
then my best friend and I just started getting a lot of attention from that. We also both lived in Florida, so we would like always hang out, go to the beach together. And then Hype House ended up reaching out to us for us to like come visit. And like that kind of means like they want you to like come see how you like mesh with everybody and like for you to join the house eventually. So we ended up visiting, I would say like two or three months after that. And then eventually moved in and it was a very like fun process for us to go through because I was 17 years old like living in Florida like thinking I was about to go to college in like a few months and then all of a sudden I was like switch the lanes you're moving to Los Angeles and that was a very like surreal moment for me to have. Do you feel like there was sort of this like pressure to feel like you had to share all of yourself on social media when you started or at least when you got into the house? I don't think there was like a pressure. It's more so like I enjoy it. <laughs> I really do enjoy like just like posting on the day-to-day basis and like posting what I'm doing. And I feel like if I didn't have that love for it, I don't genuinely think that I would be doing it. And yeah. I think since I have such a well-connected connection with my audience, that it's like, I almost like want to be like, this is what I'm doing today. Like, this is what I'm going through. This is this brand, I love them and just kind of like showing people what I genuinely love. When it comes to like social media and I think just being an influencer, I think there's a lot of misconceptions. I think a lot of people have an idea of what that is or what that looks like. And, you know, a lot of people have told me that. Yeah, of course. But I, I think <laughs> but I but I think that that's something that's because social media before COVID necessarily was a place where you were a model, half influencer, half not didn't really know, you know, and then influencers sort of just took off during this time period. So I want to ask you, like, are there any misconceptions or myths that you want to sort of break that are about yourself and in, in being a social media influencer? I would say it took a long time for me because I didn't like that people had like misconceptions on me or they thought I was like mean or like judgmental. And I was like reading certain comments and I was like, this is just not me. Like, I I know this is not me because I had like as much as I was going through, like I still know, knew who I was. And I was like, I really hate that people think this about me. So I started being very honest and open about it. And I would be like, you guys have this certain misconception that I'm like some mean girl or that I'm not smart enough to get into college because that's why I didn't go. It was like, no, I just chose different things to do. And one thing that really hurt me is that like people thought I was mean or like rude. Mm -hmm. And I was like, not at all. It's not the case at all. So then I think it took a very long time, but now people know I'm like pretty the normal person. So I think that was definitely a fun thing to be able to like reach out to my audience about. I think it's really bold and kind of awesome that you decided to kind of direct the question right away. You know, you were like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to swat that away right as it comes in. Exactly. I I did, you know, obviously you've moved, you've moved from Naples, you went to LA, you lived in the hype house, you left the hype house, you lived on your own. When you went and you lived on your own, do you feel like during that period of time, you started to find your own relationship with who Olivia was growing into herself? And did LA have any sort of, infliction on how you felt like you needed to look or how you needed to present yourself? I would say definitely with moving away kind of like made me realize a lot of things about myself that I really loved but just like in Los Angeles you know there's the very much like way that you certain girls look and that it's like frowned upon if you don't look like that so I think I definitely went through that where it's like you there's like one certain look of like how you look and I tried fitting into that box and I was like, you know what? 
I don't fit there. I was like, I love my short little blonde hair. I love that I don't do like these crazy, I've tried pretty much everything in the books that you can try to do. Um, But I just really loved like realizing that like, I love being by the beach. I love not wearing makeup. I love living in a bikini. And I think when I realized that was like a very like clicking moment where I was like, Mm. you know what? I actually really love myself. And that took a little bit of time because, you know, I was trying to fit in this like stereotypical box. And once I kind of like realized that I was, that I didn't need to fit in this box and that like people are going to love me regardless of what I look like, just kind of took a really big happy toll on my mental health. Yeah. And I think, you know, I obviously went over to your page and looked at the last thing that you did, which was the October 18th post. And it's sort of this idea of like the glow up, right? So it's sort of like, the year before and a year now. And what I found actually really interesting was what I saw and from an outsider's point of view was that the girl who was living in LA had the hair extensions, had this, had that. And now the girl who's living in New York is this beautiful, natural, I don't give a fuck. And I just love it. And I just wanted to ask you, you know, Cause I know that that post, obviously many people can take away from what they want from it because a lot of it's more of like, Oh, your glow up or whatever from what you were doing professionally. But I like to talk about like personally glow up. Right. So like this idea of what did you find in this past year from the transition of like living in LA and then moving over to New York emotionally, what do you think your glow up has been? I would say in New York, a lot of the things were more like materialistic, like I'm sure you know from like literally living there and growing up there. And I think like people were always trying to like impress each other. And I just felt like I never really fit in that box. And like I would try to like impress people and then, you know, it's just never good enough. And I was like just so mentally draining of myself to like constantly, constantly be trying to like impress people and fit in this box and like have the long like extensions that were just so bad for my hair and that was a whole process for itself with my when I came to here for modeling they were like girl your hair is all messed up and I'm like don't remind me I know (laughs) so I think once I moved here like there's not a stereotype for how you should look at all it's kind of like here it's very like literally do whatever you want and look however you want and nobody's going to care. And I think that's one thing I really do like about New York and the city. And now I can go outside wearing a blazer and a cute top and people will think I look cute. And then I can also go outside wearing sweatpants and a sweatshirt and my little hood up and people will still probably think I look cute. So it's like that type thing where there's like no judgment when you go outside. No, I mean, I love New York and I think that it's one of those places. I mean, New York and London to me are the two most you know, diverse places to be able to live and still do your profession. Right. I mean, LA is wonderful as well. I mean, I'm, I have a different perspective, obviously, because I grew up here and I think that a lot of the LA natives are great, humble, creative, cool souls, but it's about finding your community wherever you are. Right. And I think, uh, I I, want to know, you know, do you feel like you had experienced sort of this sense of, of trolling before or still do. I just want to ask in the sense of if somebody who may be trolling here today, what is your best way of, of kind of combating that or walking alongside it? I would say with, you mean trolling like on the internet, right? Correct. Yeah. I would or say. Or in person. I mean, you've been trolled in person. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I would say because I'm such like a positive person that like, and I try to like very much branch this out to my audience as well. It's like, 
people are going to hate regardless. People are not going to like you because you don't look this way or you don't have this or you are friends with this person or whatever it would be. And I think to trolls, it's just kind of like they don't really have anything else that they're doing with their life at that exact moment. Because honestly, if you're a busy person, you don't really have time to go on somebody's posts and be mean to them. It's kind of like, you know, I mean, I personally would never go on somebody's Instagram or TikTok or whatever it would be and comment like negative things about it. It's like, in my opinion, like if people are doing that, you just have to realize it's like hurt people hurt people. So it's like, they are obviously going through something. And like, if anything, you should just sympathize them and be like, you know what? I know you're going through something and you don't talk about it on social media. And I'm just praying for you and hoping that you get better in whatever aspect it would be. I think that's a definitely, I mean, the, the best line in the world is hurt people, hurt people. It's the simplest, but yet effective way for somebody to understand what's really going on beneath it all and how you can sort of say, you know what, I'm going to kill this with kindness. I'm going to kill this with knowing who I am and not letting somebody else affect it. Exactly. That's what my mother always said. I know we've talked a lot about like misconceptions and myths and so forth, but was there a perception of yourself that you feel like you wish somebody may be able to take some more time to to notice? I mean, I know that obviously fueling your body is really important right now. And I think going into what the aspect of what I'm hearing is probably going into nutrition and food and all this kind of greatness. But is there a perception of yourself that you wish people would be able to really know more about? I would say that I am more than just like what I look like (laughs) and what I post on social media. And that, like, I feel like I don't talk about my feelings a ton, a ton on social media. And I feel like I definitely, like, I've been through a lot. And I feel like I almost, like, when I go out and, like, girls talk to me and they, like, ask, or even in my DMs, like, I answer a crazy amount of DMs just being like, what's your advice on this? And what's your advice on that? And I feel like I wish, like, more people knew that, like, Sometimes I give some pretty good advice and that I'm like not terrible with my words and that I'm very well like spoken. Well, I think that people are getting that. And if they aren't, then I think that it just takes a little bit more time for somebody to really look and to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I say that because obviously you are a leader now for so many younger you know, people to be able to come out and to say that it's OK to be able to live your truth. I mean, you just came out as bisexual and sort of introduced your relationship to your supporters. You know, what do you think that was sort of like for you behind closed doors? Because as we all know, being in the public eye, there is a perception of what people think about us, something that's so vulnerable to us. But then that can also sometimes hurt because you're being so vulnerable and now people have so many other opinions. Yeah. I, it's a good question. I would say that I kind of would rather people like be able to make their own perception about me and like give them all of like the good information. And Nine times out of 10, if I'm giving you all the good information, your perception is probably going to be a little bit on the better side. And I think for me, just doing that makes me a lot happier as a human being. It's wonderful how you speak so openly about your relationship with Kyla. Do you think that your public relationship allowed for more people to now be so opinionated on what's going to happen next in your relationship world and how does that sort of make you feel like do you do you feel like that's a lot to sort of handle because it is that sense of really do you have to always have an opinion about who I date next yeah that's what I kind of like to get across that it's like 
I like to be public, but yet still private. And me and Kylie's relationship was absolutely amazing. I'm very happy that it was on social media because it helped so many girls. And, you know, coming out and like having such an amazing support system behind me was absolutely amazing. Um, For like moving forward steps, I would say not really like in the place where I'm like looking to date at all. So I haven't really thought about that because I'm on like such a self-love journey at the moment. I think that, yeah, it's it's important for you just to stay present, right? It's important for you to just focus on what's going to be right for you and to not really let it affect you. And I think that's wonderful. Do you think that sometimes you've had to find tools though to be able to say, you know what, I've been public about this once in my past, now moving forward, I might shut that door and that's okay. Like this is my journey to yeah. say when the doors open and when the doors shut. Do you feel that there's pressure yeah. to always have to keep that door back open? I would say there's definitely pressure, but like, I like kind of have at this point where it's like self-love, self-worth, where it's like, I don't care if there's pressure. If it feels right, it feels right. If it doesn't feel right, it's not going to feel right. And I don't know if I'll ever be like public about that aspect of my life again, but it's going to be something that I'm going to tackle when it comes to it. And I just haven't put too much thought into it. Good. I'm glad. You know, you've used your platform obviously for so much good. You're now working with so many amazing organizations for Ocean and Glad. You know, you are the face of benefits right now. I mean, it's just amazing to see what your evolution has come to by just speaking your truth. And I know that we've covered a lot of barriers today. And I just want to say thank you for being so vulnerable, so open and so fearless, not only with myself today, but just in general. And I think that that is really opening up the door to show so many more people that is when one shows vulnerability in such a way, it encourages to start to look within. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. And I'm just going to, so we end every episode with a couple questions that tap into what make you, you, I'm just going to say we ever so often obviously talk about a personalized toolbox that lends to our emotional Mm -hmm. journey. What served you the last time you experienced a flare up or a challenging moment? What was like inside my toolbox? Yeah. Like what do you, what, if you had a challenging moment, what did you use you know, to be able to combat that the last time, if you can think of the last time that sort of that happened. Yeah. So I would say I have like a few different things that I'll do. I normally talk to my best friend because she helps me pull me down a lot and um, just will like talk to her on the phone. She's in the city right now. So we'll like hang out for, she's staying like five minutes away from me. So I like go to her hotel and just like talk to her for a little bit or honestly food I will be like okay Olivia I know you're mad but like and you're probably hungry you're probably hangry a little bit like let's go get some snacks in you or just like even just taking the moment where I was speaking about breath work and just like when I stubbed my toe I was just like it's okay it's okay like everything's all right right now like don't get stressed about it I love it and then lastly what are the three biggest lessons you've learned in your life these can be words, feelings, sayings, moments, stories. I would say definitely hurt people, hurt people. That took me a while to understand, but that is definitely hurt people, hurt people type of situation. Um, I would say my next one would be something to do with like the self-love journey with like in within that, I'm like so happy and grateful that I was like able to show that and share that on my social media because there was multiple multiple times where I was like, I think I should stop this. Like, I don't think it's helping anyone. And I'm so glad that I didn't stop it because now I see the benefits of it. And like with my DMs and talking to people in real life about like how much I helped them, like, oh, 
it just makes me so happy. And then the last one would be obviously coming out. And I'm like, just so happy that I was like able to do that and like had such a strong support system behind me when I did it and had such an amazing group of friends that were so accepting and whatnot. I love it. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank of you. Course, of course. Thank you. For everything. And I'm sure you guys are already connected with her. But if you anyone is looking to connect with Olivia, she can be reached on her Insta, which is Olivia.ponton, her TikTok, I am Olivia Ponton, and her Twitter, I'm Olivia Ponton. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Thank you for having me. And if you're looking to continue the conversation around living an unapologetically authentic lifestyle, then this podcast is just for you. Our goal is to build a community in which you feel empowered to celebrate yourself by hearing inspiring stories of ownership to self. Always remember to leave with the three M's. That's mindfulness, movement, and mental engagement. You've got this, and we're here to support you along the way. So be sure to subscribe and download so you don't miss an episode. Now, it's okay to not be okay in your journey to become grounded in the power of you. Now, some of the topics we discussed today may have been triggering. So if you're in need to speak to a crisis counselor, please text home to 741-741 or head over to projecthealthyminds.com slash guide for curated resources ready to hear from you. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Haley Hasselhoff, Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinigay, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice. Do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the host and the guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or an entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.